Their torment ascends unto ages of ages. Heaven, hell, and universalism, according to the Holy Fathers. What follows are a collection of teachings from the scriptures and the Holy Fathers of all ages on the nature of heaven, hell, the duration thereof, and our role in our own salvation. This is a brief collection of teachings on this subject. A more complete treatment will be available from Orthodox Wisdom later in 2022. The majority of what follows is found in Will the Torments of Hades Have an End? by priest Georgi Maximov, found in the January-April 2020 issue of the Orthodox Word, translated by the St. Herman of Alaska Brotherhood. First, a few passages from Holy Scripture. Isaiah 66, 22-24 reads, For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. Daniel 12, 1-2 At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. The Lord says in Matthew 18, 8-9, If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-9, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, and from the glory of his power. The Apostle Jude says that the wicked are suffering the vengeance of eternal fire and wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. From the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John the Theologian, chapter 14, verses 9 to 11. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, 
he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Father Georgi writes, If we turn to what the Holy Fathers have said about the duration of the torments of Hades, we shall see clear testimonies from the most ancient times. For example, the disciple of the Apostles, Hieromartyr Ignatius the God-bearer, wrote, Anyone who corrupts by wicked doctrine the faith of God, becoming defiled in this way, shall go away into everlasting fire, and so shall everyone that hearkens unto him. Likewise, St. Justin the Martyr said that after the judgment of God, each man goes to everlasting punishment or salvation according to the value of his actions. St. Theophilus of Antioch Believe him, lest if now you continue unbelieving, you be convinced hereafter, when you are tormented with eternal punishments. Therefore, upon you burning fire shall come, and ever ye shall daily burn in flames, ashamed forever of your useless gods. St. Irenaeus of Lyon writes, That eternal fire is prepared for sinners, both the Lord has plainly declared, and the rest of the scriptures demonstrate, and that God foreknew that this would happen, the scriptures do in like manner demonstrate, since he prepared eternal fire from the beginning for those who were to transgress. We see this same truth among authors of the third century, not including Origen, of course. St. Hippolytus of Rome It is proper that we take the holy scriptures themselves in hand, and find out from them what the glorious and heavenly kingdom of the saints is to be, when they reign together with Christ, and what the punishment of the wicked by fire. St. Cyprian of Carthage laments, When he, God, threatens eternal penalties and perpetual punishments, the sacrilegious propose, Let not the wrath of God be considered, let not the judgment of the Lord be feared. In the fourth century there is, for example, St. Cyril of Jerusalem. If a man is a sinner, he shall receive an eternal body, fitted to endure the penalties of sins, that he may burn eternally in fire, nor ever be consumed. Thus, in each century the Holy Fathers confirm this truth. If we wanted to cite each one who spoke of the eternal nature of the torments of Hades, this book could become a ponderous volume. We shall limit ourselves only to quotes from those saints who definitively and unambiguously condemned the idea of the salvation of all. St. Basil the Great The Lord resolutely said that these shall go away into everlasting punishment, and that he would send some into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. In another place he names it hellfire, and adds, Where their worm dieth not, and their fire is not quenched. And in yet more ancient times he foretold through the prophet about some that their worm shall not die, and their fire shall not be quenched. Nevertheless, 
despite these and similar testimonies found in many places in the divinely inspired scripture. Many people, as if having forgotten about all such sayings and decrees of the Lord, promised themselves an end to the torment, so as to more freely venture to sin. This, of course, is one of the snares of the devil. St. Epiphanius of Cyprus Origen, as an allurement to sin, issued mortally dangerous exegesis. This is a dreadful sect, and worse than all the ancient ones, and indeed holds beliefs similar to theirs. He falsely taught that the devil would be restored to his authority. How happy it will make John the Baptist and the other saints that they will be associates of the devil in the kingdom of heaven. St. John Chrysostom Here it is possible to go unto the king and entreat and free the condemned person, but there no longer, for he permits it not, but they continue in the scorching torment and in so great anguish as it is not possible for words to tell. For if, when any are in flames here, no speech can describe their sharp pangs, much less theirs, who suffer it in that place. Since here indeed, all is over in a brief point of time, but in that place there is burning indeed, but what is burnt is not consumed. Blessed Jerome of Stradonium Origen is a heretic. He has erred concerning the resurrection of the body, he has erred concerning the condition of souls. He has erred by supposing it possible that the devil may repent. If I did not allow that he has erred, or if I did not daily anathematize his errors, I should be partaker of his fault. Wise reader, pay attention to the fact that the punishments are eternal, and that, from that time on, the perpetual life has no fear of falling away. Blessed Augustine, I must now, I see, enter the lists of amicable controversy with those tender-hearted Christians who decline to believe that any, or that all of those whom the infallibly just judge may pronounce worthy of the punishment of hell, shall suffer eternally, and who suppose that they shall be delivered after a fixed term of punishment, longer or shorter according to the amount of each man's sin. In respect of this matter, Origen was even more indulgent, for he believed that even the devil himself and his angels, after suffering those more severe and prolonged pains which their sins deserved, should be delivered from their torments and associated with the holy angels. But the church, not without reason, condemned him. Very different, however, is the air we speak of, which is dictated by the tenderness of these Christians who suppose that the sufferings of those who are condemned in the judgment will be temporary, while the blessedness of all those who are sooner or later set free will be eternal. They plead chiefly their own cause, holding out false hopes of impunity to their own depraved lives by means of this quasi-compassion of God to the whole race. Plainly it will be so, if the conjectures of men are to weigh more than the word of God. But because this is absurd, they who desire to be rid of eternal punishment ought to abstain from arguing against God, and rather, while yet there is opportunity, obey the divine commands. What a fond fancy it is to suppose that eternal punishment means long-continued punishment, 
while eternal life means life without end, since Christ, in the very same passage, spoke of both in similar terms in one and the same sentence. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. For they are correlative. On the one hand, punishment eternal. On the other hand, life eternal. And to say in one and the same sense, life eternal shall be endless, punishment eternal shall come to an end, is the height of absurdity. Wherefore, as the eternal life of the saint shall be endless, so too the eternal punishment of those who are doomed to it shall have no end. St. Theodore the Studite We must not be going, together with the demons, to where the fire is unquenchable, and not for a certain time, or for a year, or for a hundred or a thousand years, for the torment will not have an end, as Origen thought, but will be forever and for eternity, as the Lord said. St. Simeon the New Theologian There will be then a different life, an ineffable one, and a different death, more grave and bitter than the present one, that is, eternal torment. For those who are not made here partakers of Christ, or who disgrace this partaking of Christ by a life contrary to it, are in danger of becoming subject there to the irrevocable punishment of a most terrible death. To those who will be condemned in the next life, there will remain no consolation whatever, and no hope of salvation. St. Nicetus Stathatos I believe in the resurrection of the dead, and I confess the unending kingdom of the righteous unto the ages of ages, and that the punishment of sinners and the demons themselves will last eternally and will never cease, and that the sinners and the demons will not return to their first created state, as Origen errs in his darkness. Blessed Theophylact of Bulgaria Those shall go away into eternal punishment, which never ends, but the righteous shall enter into eternal life. For just as the saints have unceasing joy, so too the unjust have unceasing punishment, despite the gibberish of Origen, who says that there is an end to hell, and that sinners will not be punished forever, but that there will be a time when they enter the place of the righteous, because they have been purified by suffering in hell. Origen is clearly refuted here when the Lord speaks of everlasting punishment, that is, never-ending. St. Simeon of Thessalonica The lot of each one, glory or torment, will be limitless and unending. However, even concerning this, many impious prate to their own harm, daring to reject the eternal nature of the future torment. Such audacity is instilled in them by the deceptions and guile of the evil one, so that in expectation of an end to the torment, they would not leave undone a single act of evil. For if there will be an end to torment, then every sin will at some time be forgiven, and those cast out by God, the evildoers and the iniquitous, will at some time be glorified with the pious and the saints. What word can be more impious than this? St. Elias Miniatus Before his eyes is all his torment, and they will in no way be decreased, for it is eternal, 
This means boundless torment, hopeless and endless. Such is the state of sinners in Hades, where the torment is to an extreme degree and has no relief, and what is worse, it is eternal and has no end. It never, never ends. There in the next world, there is no longer death, which could put an end to the torment of the sinner, taking his life away. No, there life itself is a continual death. There, every hour sinners will ask for death, but will not find it. Until when is this torment? It is always, and will never end. Never. St. Ignatius Briancheninov In vain do lascivious Epicureans cry out, It cannot be that the torment of Hades, if it indeed exists, is so cruel, is eternal. This is not compatible, either with the mercy of God or with common sense. Man lives on earth for delight. He is surrounded by objects of delight. Why can he not enjoy them? Leaving that appeal to the arbitrariness of those who utter it and who oppose it to divine revelation and teaching, the Son of the Holy Church is guided in his conceptions of eternity and the grim torments of Hades by the word of God. What has the greatly passionate human heart not rejected in order to more freely give itself over to depravity? Is it any wonder that it has rejected the furrows and dangers that stop a sinner in his path, that it has rejected Hades and eternal torments? But they do exist. The sin of any finite creature before its creator, incessantly committed, is an endless sin, and such a sin demands an endless punishment. St. Theophon the Recluse The Lord says in clear words that do not allow for any reinterpretation, These shall go away into everlasting punishment. This is said by the Lord, who for our sake was incarnate, died, resurrected, ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, so as to ceaselessly intercede there for the salvation of all. If this was said by the one for whom our salvation costs so much, and who desires nothing more than that all be saved, then this means that it cannot be otherwise. You stand for the goodness and mercy of God, but your discourse would make sense if the eternal nature of the torments was determined by people who are pitiless rigorists. Then it would be reasonable to object to them. Your thesis cannot be accepted, because it is contrary to the goodness of God. But when such a determination has been decreed by the Lord himself, who is all good and all merciful, then is it appropriate to say to his face, This cannot be. It is contrary to your goodness, as if he was speaking without knowing something. Is it possible that he ceased being good when he said that? Of course not. And if he did not cease being good, then there is no doubt that such a determination is entirely in keeping with his goodness, for God never does or says anything that would be contrary to his attributes. You are relying on merciful forgiveness, but forgiveness is not unconditional. Repent, and you'll receive forgiveness. But how do you forgive someone who has not repented? Pardon is impossible for those who insistently oppose God. 
Just as in paradise the saints will drink blessedness with full lips, sinners will endure torments to the last measure of endurance. They will be tormented and tormented, and that without end. Some have the idea that it is, of course, impossible to leave sinners without punishment, but those torments will not be eternal. The reprobates will be tormented and tormented and then off to paradise. How we want to appear more merciful than the Lord himself. But even the contrivance is unsound. For Hades is not a place of purification, but a place of punishment, which does not cleanse the ones being tormented. No matter how much Hades burns someone, the one being burnt will be just as impure and worthy of that very burning, and not in paradise. Therefore, there will be no end to the burning. It is important to note that God directly revealed to certain saints the disastrousness to the soul of the heir under discussion. We shall mention St. Syriacus the Solitary, 6th century. When someone with whom he was speaking told him that the originists say that the teachings about the pre-existence of souls and about the restoration, apocatastasis, are not dangerous, the elders said in response that these teachings are not without danger, but are dangerous and harmful, as well as blasphemous. Both Evagrius and Didymus accepted those impious and godless teachings from origin. Nonus has become a sower of all tares and a perpetrator of all evils. How many wiles has he used to enthrall me, the humble one, along with himself? God has shown me the filth of his heresy through revelation. Blessed John Moscus describes a vision revealed by the prayers of a saint in which Origen was seen in the flames of Hades along with other heretics. There are also other admonitions in biographical literature. From the vision of Gregory, the disciple of our Holy Father Basil the New, the angel seized and caught a multitudinous regiment of heretics who taught that torments are not eternal but temporary. The Lord looked and said sternly, Oh, senseless and foolish seducers, you have erred in your pride and been deceived by the devil in your false teaching. Depart from me, ye accursed, to eternal torment. It is surprising to see the stubbornness of the so-called optimists who, in the face of so many and clear conciliar decrees of the church, in the face of such an abundance of patristic testimonies and even the direct words of Scripture, continued to be obstinate, affirming that the false teaching of the finiteness of the torments of Hades has supposedly never been rejected by the church and in no way contradicts the Orthodox faith. With what kind of heart do these people read their prayer rule each evening, saying, O Lord, deliver me from the eternal torments, prayer of St. John Chrysostom, and, O Lord, I fear thy judgment and the endless torments, prayer of St. John Damascene. At another place, Father Georgi quotes St. John Chrysostom, saying, this question is examined by everyone. Will the fire of Gehenna have an end? Christ revealed to us that this fire does not have an end. Their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And so, 
Christ has revealed that the fire of Gehenna has no end, and Paul confirms that the torment is unending when he says that sinners shall be punished with everlasting destruction. There are many men who form good hopes not by abstaining from their sins, but by thinking that hell is not so terrible as it is said to be, but milder than what is threatened, and that it is temporary, not eternal. And about this they philosophize much. But I could show from many reasons, and conclude from the very expressions concerning hell, that it is not only not milder, but much more terrible than is threatened. But that it is not temporary, hear Paul now saying, concerning those who know not God, and who do not believe in the gospel, that they shall suffer punishment, even eternal destruction. How then is that temporary, which is everlasting? St. Amphilochius of Iconium writes, When you bring the suggestions of the devil to fulfillment, then be sorrowful, be distressed, weep, inasmuch as you are rushing toward the eternal fire. St. Ephraim the Syrian, Know, my beloved ones, that if we will not labor during this brief time, we shall have to be filled with remorse and be tormented there unto the ages of ages. Let us not be slothful, my beloved ones, so that we shall not be remorseful unto endless ages, where tears and sighs will not bring us any benefit, and where there is no repentance. What shall we do, brethren, if we shall be condemned to outer darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where there is no hope of seeing the light unto endless ages? An exile counts days, nights, and years, awaiting the end of his sentence. But in the future age one condemned will not count the days, nights, month, or years, because there will be boundless and unending ages. What benefit is it to a man if he gains the whole world, but casts his own soul into the inextinguishable Gehenna, of which there is no end? St. Sophronius of Jerusalem, in his synodical letter, which was read and accepted by the Sixth Ecumenical Council in 681, includes the following. But it is not only on this point that the deranged err and go astray from the straight road. Such impiety would be tolerable in comparison with their other evils. But they also make myriads of other statements contrary to the tradition of the apostles and our fathers. They throw out the planting of paradise. They do not want Adam fashioned in the flesh. They object to the molding of Eve from him. They reject the utterance of the snake. They forbid the ranks of heavenly armies as they were created to be in the beginning by God, imagining that they resulted from a primordial condemnation and deviation. They dream up, both godlessly and mythically, that all rational things were produced in a henad of minds, and they abuse the creation of the waters above heaven, and want an end to punishment, and they introduce besides total corruptibility of all perceptible things, while alleging the restoration of all rational creatures, angels, human beings, demons, and again confounding their differences into one mythical unity, when Christ will be different from us in no respect whom they preach in a foolish manner, not the one whom we proclaim in pious belief in glory or honor or kingship or lordship, 
They seethe like demons and bring forth myriads of things from the diabolical and impious store of their heart, not with one foul perversion only, but giving their neighbor myriads of drafts to drink, and wretches that they are, doing to death the souls of human beings for whom Christ deigned to die and poured out the ransom that was his divine blood and laid down his own life as a most divine gift exceeding all worth. But we, because we have been given to drink the rational and guileless milk of right and blameless and well-disciplined faith, and have tasted the good word of God, thrust away all their shadowy teachings, being free of all their lawless babblings and walking in the footsteps of our fathers, we both speak of the consummation of the present world and believe that that life which is to come after the present life will last forever. And we hold to unending punishment. The former will gladden unceasingly those who have performed excellent deeds, but the latter will bring pain without respite and also indeed punishment on those who became lovers of what was vile in this life and refused to repent before the end of their course and departure hence. For their worm will not die, says Christ the Judge, who is the truth, and their fire will not be extinguished. These things are what we think and believe, most wise one, because we have received them from the proclamation which is from apostles and evangelists, from prophets and the law, from fathers and teachers, and we have made them manifest to you, all-wise one, and have hidden nothing from you. St. Isaac the Syrian, often quoted by Universalists as supposedly supporting their view, wrote in his ascetical homilies words that would make anyone take pause. In addition to a well-known saying of his, those who are punished in Gehenna are scourged by the scourge of love. He writes the following, in harmony with the patristic teaching that has been set forth. What is more senseless and foolish than those who say that it is sufficient for me to escape Gehenna, but I do not seek to enter into the kingdom? For to escape Gehenna means precisely to enter the kingdom, even as to fall away from the kingdom is to enter Gehenna. Scripture has not taught us the existence of three realms, but when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. He did not speak of three orders, but two, one on the right and one on the left, and he definitively made a distinction between their dwelling places, saying, The righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, but sinners shall depart into everlasting fire. And again, many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, a thing more dreadful than any fire. Have you not understood by these things that the opposite of the order on high is namely the Gehenna of torment? And so as long as you have feet, Run after work, before you are bound with that bond which cannot be loosed again once it is put on. Fix your departure in your heart, O man, by always saying to yourself, Behold, the messenger is at the door, he who comes for me. Why am I idle? My going forth is forever. There will be no return.
There are many today who hold up St. Gregory of Nyssa as a great champion for their optimistic view. Some even wonder why Origen was condemned, but not St. Gregory. After recounting how Saints Barsanufius the Great, St. Mark of Ephesus, and as we will hear shortly, St. Photius the Great, all proclaim St. Gregory indeed a saint, but that he was incorrect on the apocatastasis. Priest Georgi writes, Yet another reason that St. Gregory was not condemned was that he was not insistent in his false teaching, but evidently wavered, in that he often expressed the orthodox teaching on the eternal torments as well. In particular, he wrote that, The enjoyment of profit is temporary. The condemnation for offense is eternal. After death, an unbaptized soul will whirl around in the air, wandering, fruitlessly repenting like the rich man who, arrayed in purple and fine linen, prepares material for the inextinguishable fire. Who will illumine the darkness? Who will quench the flame? Who will thwart the undying worm? Those who are not obedient to Christ, according to the words of the Apostle, bear a punishment, eternal perdition. Flee from all human honors, the end of which is eternal shame and dishonor. As Professor Martinov notes, the teaching on the apocatastasis, no matter how clearly it is expressed in the works of St. Gregory, is far from being acknowledged by all researchers as the sincere and sole belief of the Bishop of Nyssa. They have mainly been perplexed by that duality in St. Gregory's views, because the teaching on the cessation of evil and torments, as well as the teaching on their unending continuation, find an identical place in his works. Therefore, it is not surprising that St. Germanus, came to the conclusion that the ideas about the apocatastasis were interpolated into the texts of St. Gregory. The holy tradition of the Church does not leave room for speculation in favor of St. Gregory of Nyssa. More than once or twice the Holy Fathers have mentioned his heir, and none of them said that this was a permissible version of the teaching on the finiteness of the torments of Hades. We cite the words of St. Photius of Constantinople. What St. Gregory, the Bishop of Nyssa, said about the apocatastasis, the Church does not accept. To conclude, a quote from St. Paisios the Athenite, and a portion of a prayer to the Mother of God, said during Great Compline in Lent. St. Paisios writes, Struggle with all your power to gain paradise. And do not listen to those who say that everyone will be saved. This is a trap of Satan, so that we would not struggle. From a prayer to the Most Holy Theotokos, during Great Compline, during Lent. And because thou art all-merciful, compassionate, benevolent, be thou ever near me in this present life as an ardent help and protection, defending me from the assaults of adversaries and leading me to salvation and at the time of my departure from this life, care for my miserable soul and drive far from it the dark visions of evil demons, and in thy awesome day of judgment, deliver me from eternal punishment, and present me as an inheritor of the ineffable glory of thy Son, our God. May this be my lot, O Lady, 
most holy Theotokos, through thy mediation and help, through the grace and love toward mankind of thine only begotten Son, our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom are due all glory, honor, and worship with his unoriginate Father and his all-holy good and life-creating Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. After all that has been set forth, let us humbly and simply from the heart pray with St. John Chrysostom, O Lord, deliver me from the eternal torments.